Hello and welcome to the Annie Star Podcast, where we are going to be discussing different anime movies and introducing people to the genre of anime. This is a podcast for anime fans, both new and old. And in today's first episode, we are going to be discussing uh, the movie Your Name, and we're going to be doing a thematic analysis and a review of the movie. We'll have a spoiler warning, so when we get into the spoiler territory, to warn people. And I'm I'm your host, Theo Dingwall, and I'm joined by my guest, Evan. Hello, that's me. I'm a fellow anime fan, love Studio Ghibli movies, and as you can guess, I also love Your Name, which is why I'm here. Yeah, this, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Alright, let's get started. Let's go. So... First of all, Your Name is a movie which is about two teenagers who basically swap bodies and uh, they keep on they keep on meeting each other in what well, they, they basically swap bodies and they meet each they, they live each other's lives in a dream like fashion. And they basically have to experience that. Yeah. And now we will move into the spoiler territory stuff. So, what be is warned. You? Yes, be warned. If and we recommend that you watch the movie beforehand before you listen to this. Okay, Evan, what was your fir- your favorite part of the of the movie? Oh, that's a hard one. That is really difficult. Um, okay, I'd say my favorite part would be the bit where they're at Itamori and they're about to meet, but they're not actually there. So, they see themselves spiritually. And they can hear each other's voices, but they can't physically see each other. But my favourite point is when the sun sets in the horizon, and the moment twilight comes, they can then see each other. I'd say that would definitely be my favourite part of the movie. Yeah. It symbolises the final sort of joining of their timelines, and they, they can finally come together. Personally, I like the... I like I, I, I do like that scene, but I also like the... Uh the scene where they evacuate everyone and just <laughs> the that idea of defying uh of changing fate and changing oh, yeah, time changing yeah. time it's a very interesting setup <laughs> which is uh being built by the movie and it's being reflected by the music at the time and the scenery as well it's really good uh Okay, so some themes of the of the film. Uh, so fate is uh, one one aspect of the film which continuously play, is played up with uh, this idea of the red string, and they're tied together by by fate. Uh, Evan. Yeah. So the red string of fate. It's quite a prevalent theme of the movie. It's quite. Uh, integral to Japanese culture as well. There's this belief that uh, two people are linked by a red string. And I think the movie also literally symbolises it through the red thread that um, Mitsuha gives Taki at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the one which and she continues to wear. Yeah. Well, she she wore that first as a ribbon yeah. in her hair. So it's the, it's the idea that fate is following them and just guiding them along other aspects of the movie are the other aspects of the movie are the 
the use of time as well and how they keep on time swapping there's a gap in the timeline between basically Taki is uh is Taki Taki's life is three years before Mitsuha's we know it's no, it's Mits- it's Mitsuha's is three years before Taki's yeah. life and they keep on swapping so it's it gets very <laughs> it gets very convoluted yeah it gets <laughs> remember when we first watched it we had to draw out a, a whole timeline and then we had to actually work out the ages of the characters at different points yeah so it was very very interesting doing that but the time is uh, it's very prevalent throughout the movie and uh, there are scenes where Taki sees images from Mitsuha's past which are it's 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 presented like like still images and the animation is uh, very good there and I think as well, there's quite a prevalent theme of modernity versus traditionalism. So I think quite a clear example of this would be Mitsuha's strange relationship with her father. So whilst Mitsuha is a shrine maiden, which is seen as quite an important role in Shintoism, which is um, Japan's state religion, her father has kind of rejected that role and he's embraced politics. And that's one sort of hot point in their relationship. Of course, this happened after uh, her mother was her mother died yeah. due to illness, and it basically broke him away from that part, that side of Japan. And yeah, he's ba- he's basically running for mayor in the movie. Yeah, and I think similarly that ties in with the uh, theme of a generational divide. So once again, we see that a hot point within Mitsuha and her father's relationship is that it's quite strained, mainly because he's very strict. He's one of the he's one of those people in Japan that place duty before family, which is quite an old it's quite an archaic it's, it's um, very <laughs> tradition in Japan. It's quite uh it was it's, quite common during the Meiji era and during World War Two. It's something well, it's still reflected in j- in Japan's in, in Japan's today, culture yeah. today. There are still a lot of people who, who believe that and follow that but it's a it's a very interesting point of the film and how Taki is free of that generational divide because he's just a normal Tokyo boy living a normal school life whereas uh, Mitsuha is stuck in a rural area which she doesn't like she doesn't like that life she doesn't like that experience she doesn't like the religion which she's being forced up which is being forced upon her yeah as well as that uh she also there are also parts of the film where she has to play as a play the role of a shrine maiden which and we the audience get to experience that religion also plays a part of the part of the film in terms of like the idea that fate is uh fate and religion in uh, tie together with the use of the sake in the uh what's the uh sake called again? uh mika it, it's a very long name it's quite a long name yeah mika mika subi or something uh, Musubi, uh, i think yeah and it's uh 
basically it's created with by the use of uh fermenting rice with uh with spit and leaving it to leaving it over time to become alcohol yeah it's not my favorite idea of a drink but you know and there's a later point in the movie where uh Taki literally drinks that and he <laughs> it knocks him out kind of like a comatose drug yeah and that's actually what triggers him going in going into the past and seeing Mitsuha's memories of the uh Oh yeah, I guess we should address that, shouldn't we? Because oh yeah, <laughs> it's stated that the Musubi is half of Mitsuha, so it makes sense as to why um, Taki sees Mitsuha's memories when he drinks it. Yeah, and it just adds to the idea of them being like two parts of a whole that are like split across like one in rural Japan and one in Tokyo, mm. the big city, so yeah. And as well as that, there's also the uh, the comet in the movie, which uh, is a very good example of imagery used to present <laughs> the I- the idea of uh, f- the comet is used to describe fate and how it how it's falling, basically. Yeah, I think the comet is a good allegory for um, the. The uh, the interstice between the two separate timelines that exist, that are inhabited by Mitsuha and um, Taki. So in Japan, the concept of otherness is often represented uh, through quite obscure entities. So take Spirited Away for example. You've got No Face. He's quite a, a an avid example of the otherness, which ties in with. Shintoism, which believes that there's a spirit that dwells within everything, from rocks to trees. So I think the comet is a very good example of this. Yeah, that and the uh, the use of the twilight sky. It's it looks very beautiful in the anime. And just that that twilight sky ties into that instantis that point between light and dark. There's also the the use of tradition in in the movie and how there are how how tradition how how characters how characters reject or embrace tradition yeah so for example we've got Mitsuha's grandmother who's quite a a staunch advocate of traditionalism. She berates Mitsuha's father for leaving the Shinto shrine and embracing politics after their mother died. Whereas we see that Mitsuha, she's disillusioned with the role of shrine maiden. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to spend her whole life being a shrine maiden. She wants to go out. She wants to go to Tokyo. She wants to experience what life is like in the city. So I think that's a, a good indicator as to the sort of generational divide that exists within Japan. Uh, presented through their differing views of uh, tradition and modernity. Yes, and there's also the idea of like the the idea of fate also being hereditary. Yeah, that's the thing that I found quite interesting. So we found out that uh, Mitsuha's maternal ancestors, so her mother, grandmother, and then those that came before her, yeah. experienced similar experiences to her. So it's not 
explicitly described if it is a body swapping phenomenon, but we can kind of assume that it is. Yeah. And it's later revealed that the purpose for all of these might have been to warn uh, the town eventually of the comet that would strike them. Yeah, it's the idea that fate has, that so, some greater divine being has decided to intervene and change this, uh, this specific event. It's a very interesting idea and plays into religion. Okay, right. There's also the idea. There's also the use of music throughout the film to reinforce all of these points. That's done continuously. It's like with the uh, singing voice. Yeah. So any time there's been a time lapse in the film, there's been the sort of energetic electrical music with quite uh, energetic vocals, which I found really, really accentuates an atmosphere of liveliness. Uh, this is interestingly mostly uh, during the scenes involving Tokyo, which kind of goes to uh, sort of uh, exaggerate the sort of bustling nature of the city in comparison to the more uh, subtle and tranquil music played during um, scenes of Itamori. So it kind of goes to show the difference between rural and uh, urban lives. Yeah, lifestyles and... There's also the use of uh, different characters. Um, well, we've already discussed Mitsu, Mitsu's dad and her grandma, but there are also the characters within Taki's life, such as his uh, crush, Miss Okodora, Okodara, who uh, she realized, and how Mitsuha swapping bodies with sw living Taki's life affects his relationships and uh, seeing the uh, interesting consequences behind that. Like how that causes him to go on a date and <laughs> arrange a date without his consent and yeah. It's uh, it's very interesting seeing how they change. There's, there's literally a montage within the film where they uh, it shows different, different scenarios where they affect um, and cause situations in, in, in each other's lives. And yeah, the reactions of everyone else around them. Very interesting to see. Very, very funny as well. I do think that might be a perhaps a metaphor for the sort of coming of age experience that typically a lot of teenagers, uh, teenagers encounter. So sort of discovering oneself, sort of learning what you stand for and uh, stuff like that. So I think that's quite a, a good thing that the film touches on it's also interesting seeing everyone else's reactions to that as oh, well yeah. <laughs> because everyone's reactions are oh you, you were weird yesterday uh, oh did did you forget do you need help remembering where your seat is in, in yeah, class just the or quips as well like, as yeah or, or, or where to go for work it's like <laughs> it's like how, how how do they not realize mm, maybe they've got split personality or something yeah <laughs> It's very interesting to see. Alright. And now we move on to the characterization of some of the various characters within the film. Starting with Mitsuha. Mitsuha is like a bird trapped in a cage the cage being the rural town of Japan she 
the theme of modernity versus traditionalism is primarily focused around her and in her specific case she wants to reject that traditionalism and uh, go on a journey of modernity, embrace modernity and go to Tokyo instead. So her male counterpart, Taki, is the quintessential urban youth of Japan. He's the younger generation that's grown up used to technology and the hustle and bustle of the city. So building what Theo said, he lives in the center of modernity and the bustling environment in which he inhabits is the antithesis of the more tranquil and more probably mundane life of Mitsuha in uh, Itamori. And next we have Miss Okudera, the crush of Taki. She is, she acts as, as a mature colleague to him in his workplace, a senior, senior colleague. And she acts as a catalyst for his character growth. She makes Taki realise that he's got a greater connection to Mitsuha than he realises. More of a romantic connection as well. And makes him realise that he's not an adult yet. He's not, he's not as mature. Not that mature yet. Yeah. And then we've got Tessie, who's uh, Mitsuha's best friend. He shares a similar desire as Mitsuha, in which he wishes his life was a bit more interesting. But he's more content with his situation. He doesn't necessarily want to leave Itamori. Instead, he resolves to sort of buckle down and try and do what he can to improve the town. So, again, he's his interests symbolise the clash between modernity and traditionalism. So in the scenes in which he dwells, we see that his room is filled with electronics and other gadgets, which clearly shows that he's interested in technology, which is quite a stark contrast to uh, the construction jobs his father expects him to undertake. So for example, there's one scene where his father tries to get him to learn explosives, to which he seems quite indifferent. Whereas he, when uh, Mitsuha requests that he hacks into the local um, radio wave he seems far more interested in that yeah and finally we have Mitsuha's grandma who is the physical representation of the traditionalism of the town the traditionalism that Mitsuha rejects but in addition to that Mitsuha's grandma also serves to give exposition of on the more surreal aspects of the film the more mystical aspects and she also explains the role and importance of Shintoism and the flow of time. That's all, and we've come to the end. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And that was it. I'm your host, Theo Dingwall. And this is Eben. Thanks for listening, and Thank it was a pleasure to be here. Yep, happy to have you. Thank uh, you. Yep, thanks for listening. Bye.